0: Welcome back everybody, this is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Once again, we are sponsored by Veracity Networks and my good friend Drew Peterson. I gotta thank them again for their support, it's been wonderful. I've had some amazing guests and they just keep continuing. I have an amazing guy on today, his name's Danny Kofed. Thanks for being here today. Yeah,
1: I'm really excited to be here, thanks Todd.
0: Yeah, you guys are gonna love him. He's energetic, He's he's got more energy than anyone I've ever met, I think. This guy goes and goes and goes, but he's making a huge impact on this world and uh, his community and with his family and on me. You've been inspiring to me in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, a little background, you know, he is a a certified trainer and facilitator for Vital Smarts and Crucial Conversations. Yeah. Yeah. uh, him and his wife uh, Mara have this uh, blog called a blog about love. Yeah. Right. A yeah. blog about love.com. Man. And
1: it actually got rebranded a little while ago. And so I still love saying a blog about love. And if you search for it, you'll find it anyway, but it's now Danny and Mara.com. Everything. Oh, just happens I did on not know that. So
0: obviously I didn't know that. Yeah, No worries. Dang. When <laughs> did you guys it's... do that?
1: <laughs> uh, we did that uh, two or three. Yeah. Like two years ago. Was really? Yeah. Uh, I'm way off. Yeah. No, it's fine. Wow. Yep.
0: Well, it's amazing because you guys originally started that out because of the the backgrounds that you and her had gone through yeah. kind of similar. You guys both went through a divorce and things like that. And yep. you guys were so open about all of it too, which was amazing.
1: Yeah. The, I mean, you know, the way that that thing got started in the first place was like, whenever I try and give that elevator pitch version of what we do, which always feels very difficult. Anybody who's involved, like, wait, what do I do? But um, for me, what it's always been about is we teach the philosophy of happiness in spite of circumstance and the self-worth required to experience it and then the kind of love that changes once you have that self-worth. Like, the way that you love radically shifts. So... We called it a blog about love not because we were sitting there talking about lovey-dovey, right. ooey-gooey romance stuff. right, But love as a philosophy, as a way of life, and how different your love is when you cease looking to life circumstance or other people as the reason that you offer it. Oh, love so, love you know, that's where that came from. And, it, and like you said, um, you know, in my first marriage, both of Mara and I had this really powerful awakening that happened. In the midst of what should have been our most difficult life moments right and for my for Mara um, infertility in her first marriage and uh, some other aspects to that marriage and the way that you know her husband would talk about her or, or in some ways treat her and when it should have been the worst thing in the world somebody came along and taught her how to approach infertility differently yeah and when they did, it was like they flipped a switch on her, and she suddenly, within three months, had had a radical 100% 180. And then her husband left her. And then she goes, Well, I've done it with infertility. I can do it here, you too. Do it there too yeah. And it's all about this idea of like internal wholeness. Like, if I get my worth from inside, then I can, I can do anything and I can send love out anywhere. And for me, it happened as well in my first marriage. And it happened the moment that my, my first wife told me that she'd been unfaithful. And that came as like this, yeah. incredible shock to the system, you know. Especially coming from, you know, a background where my religion places this big emphasis on faith, on family, right? On e- on eternal families. Yeah. And so I've got all these expectations of what I think life should be like, and what a successful life looks like. And in many ways, it felt like I was headed there. I just landed a new job. We had just purchased a two bedroom apartment in Boston. Um, and why was it a two bedroom? Because we're, we're going to start a family.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And soon after that happens, three months into that, that's when she comes and tells me what had happened. And, I mean, my entire world just crumbled. Yeah. But in that moment, like, something... I, I mean, I, I i ended up having this phrase from Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning pop mm-hmm. into my mind while she was telling me, before I even got a chance to respond, right. you know? Yeah. Like, for a moment, I've got all that outside in ego stuff screaming at me like what about me is not good enough what did I do to deserve this and was I not funny enough was I not a good lover was I not a good friend was I not a good whatever so it's the victim type of stuff yeah and then I've also got the villain story going on her how could she possibly do this to me how could and you know I'm, I'm telling those stories and I'm feeling like my life is a total mess and all this is happening in like 30 seconds right but it's huge and it's and then I hear this paraphrase from Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, which I'd read every single year for five years. Yeah, it's
0: a great book. It's amazing. And
1: it just came to me like as a voice. It was like in my head, it just, Danny, you don't always get to choose the circumstances of your life, but you do get to choose how you respond to them. Yeah. And how you respond is infinitely more important to your experience of this moment than whatever's happening. Wow. And in the clarity of that thought, And I know you talk a lot about belief systems. That's a belief system right there. For sure. In the clarity of that belief system, a whole new avenue opened up for me. And all those stories that I had just been telling, like faded for that moment. Right. And when they were faded, I was capable of loving the person who had arguably hurt me in the worst way possible at that time. Wow. And, and then I, I spoke from that place and it was such a, I wasn't planning on it. I never would have known if you'd asked me the day before. If somebody told you, if your partner told you that you <laughs> right. know, the you'd worst like, thing in the world, uh, when you thought you were going to build a family and all this kind of stuff, how would you have responded? And it would have been like all the anger, right. all the oh, stuff. Yeah. So I, it wasn't planned, and I don't think I was ready for it in that sense. But once it happened by accident, you know, when I stumbled on that, then it, it, it was such a radically different experience that night than what I ever could have imagined. And I knew it right then and there. I'm like, why do I feel better than I should? Why do I feel okay? Why do I feel, why do I feel like there's hope? Why do I feel peace despite the unraveling of everything? Right. And there was a part of me that said, is it just shock? Maybe it's just shock. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. But I also said, something's happened here and I'm going to experiment and I'm going to figure out if I can recreate this because I'm going to need to over and over again. Right. And so over the next year, that's exactly what I did, and and it was like a self training, and it changed my life. I mean, it radically wow. changed my life. You know.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, and and thanks for sharing. That. I didn't know that. Uh, I mean, I knew th- what you had gone through, but not in that detail. And we'll get more into that. Yeah, sure. Sorry, sorry for see, jumping no, in. No, right, no. Right off the gate. Hey, listeners, <laughs> I told you, Danny's a powerhouse. So and buck, I don't do buckle small up. talk. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle up, folks, because Danny's gonna to blow our socks off here. But uh, you know, it goes along with the 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 phrase or the belief system that life happens for us, not to us. Right. So, right. but what's what's more amazing about what you said though is most people, well, not I shouldn't say most, but we hopefully get to that point later, because when we're going yeah. through, it, we're like we're the victim. Yeah, life's of over. But for you to get it in the moment, yeah. that's rare. Well, that's and- so rare.
1: You know, you talk about the kinds of things that allow for something like that to happen. One, you know, I was raised, I I have a wonderful family. You know my family. Oh, yeah. And um, raised in a relatively conflict-free, like, environment, you know? And so I had good examples in that sense that you don't really resolve stuff that way, uh, like, by arguing, yelling, screaming, whatever. Like, that was kind of there. But you want to know the real difference is I read that book in college for required reading, and it hit me so hard. Um I remember thinking I have to let this book seep into my bones. Yeah. I was so struck by what Viktor Frankl did in the circumstances of a concentration camp. Yeah. And I hadn't come across this quote at the time, but since I found it and I love it because I think of Viktor Frankl in this way and I think it's uh Epictetus that says it, but he says something along the lines, if it's not him it's Marcus Aurelius, one of the Stoics. Right. Says something to the effect of um if it is within the power of man to do, then know that is know that it's within your own compass also. Like he says something, and yeah. I know compass is in there somehow, the way that it gets translated, but they basically say, if you've ever seen anybody do anything, then you can do it. You can do it, yeah. And I love that. I just remember, so I didn't have that quote back then, but I remember when I read it, I remember thinking, he's tapped into the essence of the greatest thing that humanity is capable of. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so impressed by it. I read the book every single year. I was like, okay, I have to dig it into my bones. So I read that book every year, and it was that fifth year when she came and told me, and fortunately, that's the paraphrase. I had let that thing dig deep, and I hadn't had a life circumstance where I needed to practice it yet. Nothing had happened in my life that would have even remotely called... Right. For drawing on the wisdom of a concentrate. And by the way, I still don't want to even compare it to, oh, but it was my concentration. It was my it, worst it moment. It was that moment. Yeah. It was my worst moment of life up until that point. And that's the first time that I actually needed the wisdom. Because otherwise, before that, I was like, oh, if I, it's one of those books where if you don't have a reason to think that it's amazing, you're going to go, what an incredible book. And then you're going to forget about you it. You forget about oh, so it, put it on the shelf. Yep. But um, I had somebody that I knew that was going through something really difficult. And so I was thinking about them while I read it. And that's why I thought it was so great. And then I said, I need this. And then it happened. And then later, my own little moment happened. And that that idea, those ideas literally just, they gave me the belief system beyond, you know, yeah. the traditional stories of I'm a victim, they're a villain, and I'm helpless, beyond those three stories that we yeah. generally find ourselves in sure. when something happens to us the minute that he's that I had that idea you may not get to choose your circumstance but you always get to choose how you respond that's the minute I became powerful yeah and once I figured out that I can turn to that power over and over again that changed everything for me everything that's so beautiful
0: you know uh I want to get I want to go back to your childhood though because and here's why though because you you know people who know you you're energetic you you're you're Positive, you're confident, you're courageous, all of these things. I want to talk about where did this stuff get cultivated, and I mean, how you know. So talk a little about growing up. I mean, and again, I know your parents and they're amazing parents. I know your sisters and and your brother, and they're amazing people. But I'm just curious. Talk a little bit about growing up.
1: (laughs) Um, I think I've always been a rather precocious uh, individual. (laughs) I've always been. I'm. I'm like that teenager that was very comfortable in the presence of adults and stuff like that. Right. Like, um
0: Again, yeah. Very confident. You were confident, man. Yeah. Uh,
1: I. You know, when I think about. When I think about pivotal mentors or like people that played a huge role for me, I do see. I do see my mom and dad for different reasons. Mm-hmm. My dad is a major can-do kind of guy, yeah. and there's very little that he'll let stop him doesn't matter what it is when he does something, he gives his all to it. And he believes that he's going to accomplish something, you know, for the most part. And, and, um, and so witnessing my dad kind of be that way with all sorts of stuff. Uh, it didn't matter whether it's sailing, whether it was, uh, you know, like losing his life savings in his forties because he went away from a business partner who, you know, hadn't been treating him fairly and starting all over again, but doing it and building a business like i just yeah. witnessed enough things in different areas of my dad's life where he's got that like no you you can do it you yeah. can always do it yeah and then my mom my mom's got like this really unique um she's got a gift man where she doesn't generally she doesn't seem to be phased by stuff. Like she doesn't take stuff personally. I've never yeah. known her to be a gossip. I've never known her to be, she, she's one of those people who brings her authentic self everywhere. Yeah. I And I really feel that way. And so, The combination of those two is like my parenting role models, and the funny thing is, like, I'm the youngest, so Mm -hmm. I also probably have the best version of my parents. Yeah, I bet if you talk to, (laughs) you know, I bet if you talk to my older siblings, like, they have different stories and they have different ways of interacting, but I have the best version. I have the most mature, experienced version of my parents. Yeah, and uh, and so that was that's my experience of the way that those two raised me, and I don't know, I, I that feels like a really big thing of the why but yeah you know and the other thing i can't when i think of like pivotal life moments for me i think a lot of things changed for me in terms of the importance of a serious quality to the real lived experiential spiritual reality like some kind of and i'm not talking like I don't know. It's hard to describe because everybody has their own word for what spirituality they like. Or I shouldn't say they have their own word. We all use the word spirituality, but it means countless different things to us. Right. Um, But I had this experience when I was 16 years old. I wasn't doing anything particularly great at the time in terms of like I was I was a good kid, by the way. My parents were very pleased and felt very secure and safe. (laughs) Yeah. But I wasn't doing all the things that somebody in my faith community would have been expected to do um you know yeah i went to church yes i occasionally read my scriptures sure i went to seminary or whatever but like i did it just because and i i did it also because i was interested and i liked and i like learning but nothing deeply motivating and then uh one night there was this random service opportunity pops up and i'll shorten this story a lot there's more to it but somebody calls my home wrong number and I'm 16 years old, and uh, I'm watching. I'm pretty sure Cops was on. It's like a Friday night, <laughs> right. okay? It was Friday night back in the back in the 90s, so Cops sure. was probably on, right? <laughs> probably. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm watching some mindless thing on a Friday night, and I had recently decided that the friends that I had were going in a wrong direction. So I'm alone, and I'm kind of bothered about it because I haven't found that new group. Right. It's a Friday night, and this old woman calls and asks for Frank Miller or something like that. or right. um, I know his name is Frank, I don't know if it's Miller, but Frank. Okay. At first I say no, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And you know, sorry about that, and we hang up. Phone rings again two seconds later, is Frank Miller there? And I'm like, <laughs> nope, it's that same kid that you just called, you know? <laughs> but I was very cheerful about it, very kind, yeah. and she was, We we ended up chatting for like 10 minutes. <laughs> because uh surprise you know we just started chatting (laughs) yeah and uh she wanted she was very grateful because i wasn't uh, very annoyed with her i was happy to i was very kind i said oh no it's that kid that you just called sorry about that right she starts telling me about her 67 mustang that she can't drive because she just had an eye surgery and she's got this number and it was written in felt pen and it's bleeding together and she's not sure she can't read it clearly my dad had a Cobra at the time. So we're talking about Mustangs for right. a bit. And we <laughs> just have this weird conversation. <laughs> yeah. And then I hang up, you know, and there's nothing I can do. So I hang up and I go back to sit down and watch TV. And then I just have this thought. And I don't even want to call it like a prompting because I, I don't know that it, I couldn't even possibly call it like, oh, right. Danny, go do th-. Yeah. But I just had this thought while I'm sitting there <laughs> watching TV. It was, I bet you could find the number for her. So I run upstairs. Uh, I look through the phone book for the name that she gave me. I find it, and it's one number different than mine. And yeah, this is before be caller it, ID, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I have to magically figure out, is it star six nine or star nine six? I always get it wrong. Yeah. I had to get the right one. I find out what her number is, I call her back, and I say, hey, it's that boy that you just uh, called twice. <laughs> um, here's the number, I found it for you. And then we talked for another five minutes, we hung up, and something weird happened, man. Like, it was the dumbest, smallest, most insignificant act of service. And I don't know why, but that night, dude, uh, I hung up that phone and I had this massively supernatural, uh, washing over my body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I know how things work and some people say spirituality, you know, you can produce it in your mind and it's all this stuff. And you know, I didn't know that that existed though. You have to know what something you have if you're going to create it in your mind, then you have to already know that that's what it is. And as far as I knew, it was a still small voice and it was warm fuzzies in your heart. This was like energy starting at the top of my head, down to the toes and I was trembling and it was joy. Like it was the most radical joy I've ever felt. And that single thing made me go, whoa, if this thing is real, if that's what people meant when they talked about Holy yeah. Ghost or something, yeah. I need more of it. I want more. So at 16 years old, I became a seeker. A real, legit, like, okay, this is different than anything I've had before. Uh, this is way better than anybody's ever told me. I didn't know this was possible. Yeah, I want more of it. And so... I started becoming really deliberate about spiritual exploration okay. at, a six, at, at sixteen years old. Wow!
0: Again, kind of a rare thing for a sixteen-year-old to be in yeah. that mindset. Like, I want to, I want to do this. I want to do more <laughs> right. of this. You know,
1: and especially because my mom, like, she's a convert to to the to the church. You know, that and and so she didn't bring like a heavy-handed version of what religion should right. look like. And yeah. my dad hadn't yet had his own spiritual experiences. Sure, he was very faithful to stuff, but he, it didn't come from a place of like, yeah. you must. So I grew up with a very free, non-pressured environment. And then when it did come, it came from me, not from them. Right. And that that honestly, like that was the beginning. If there was a prelude to the moment that I have with my wife a full twelve years more or more, you know, twelve years or so later, it was knowing that there is something larger than me that that can radically change transform how i experience any given moment wow you know yeah i mean there i was a kid that had just abandoned his friends because they started doing they started doing some drugs or whatever and we'd just gotten into high school out of out of middle school and suddenly the groups changed and i decided i don't know if i want to go down that route yeah i don't have a good enough reason not to yet but i don't think i want to and so i stopped hanging out with them and then i was alone for like you know on the weekends for a while and that's, it's in that stage in that, that this stage. thing happened and well, it that's changed That's a pretty my life. big
0: commitment to at that age to be able to go, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to step away from my friends. Yeah. Even when you weren't quite sure either way, but that, that says a lot.
1: It did. It, it, it changed everything for me. It really did. Wow. So I became a genuine, genuine seeker and a deep lover of, of all things related to spirituality. And that's right. guided my life ever since, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And those who know you would agree, <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, You really are. That's, uh, yeah. Well, you, you know, from what I know of you, I know you love learning. I know you love, and that's why you, you know, you, you're, you're a life coach.
1: Yeah. Mentor,
0: teacher, you know, facilitator, all of that uh, and and more. Yeah. But it's because you love learning and you love sharing it as well. Yeah. That's the part I enjoy about you is how much you share.
1: You can't stop me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, listeners, we, you just got (laughs) off a plane like a half hour ago and the and the lady sitting next to him is now a client. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> we I'm sure he talked like, the whole time.
1: Yeah, New York to, to Utah. What is that? A five hour flight. And we did chat the entire time.
0: <laughs> so it yeah. doesn't surprise me. No. But but yeah, you uh, I I love your energy, dude. It's it's amazing. So let's talk about you. You know, you you grow up in in that uh, in that amazing household and things that you learn and from e- examples from your mom and dad and and I know them too. They're great yeah. people, and. Let's talk about like what's led you to what you do right now, even. you know, yeah. You're doing a lot, I know, but let's kind of talk yeah. about that a little bit.
1: You know, when my wife and I both had those experiences, yeah. and we had these, like when I say happiness in spite of circumstance, I really mean that. We both had our transformation in our mess, not after our mess. We had it in the middle of it, not because it was over. I didn't suddenly wow. get happy because my wife... Oh, she left and we're divorced, and now I can start again. I was happy the entire time. I had it, and happy is a hard word to use because there was grief mixed in there. You can be, you can grieve and, and have joy at the exact same time. I don't see them as mutually exclusive. Um, Right. But I experienced happiness in the middle of my mess. And so did Mara. And we ended up, that happiness just kind of was so we couldn't stop talking about it. And yeah. so we ended up having one of my friends that lived in Boston or that was in Boston that then lived in New York for a year, met her once Mara made enough of an impression that when she comes back to Boston and I'm wrapping up my divorce and she's like, Danny, how are you doing? Yeah. Uh, and she, after I tell her, I'm doing really well. And here's right. why. And once she sees that, she goes, I've got this girl I want to set you up. with." <laughs> yeah, right. And you know what? Uh, three emails, from Mara back and forth. I wrote three, she wrote three. I sat back in my office and I said, I'm probably going to marry this woman. We were so <laughs> That's awesome. on the same page, yeah. not in any superficial way, in the most deep way you can imagine. We were so on the same page. And so our courtship was the easiest thing ever. And then we got together and because of our stories, yeah, people would be like, Hey, do you mind talking to my cousin? He's going through something really hard. Hey, my brother just, right. hey, will you chat with, or somebody would, hey, I really need help. I'm going through this and it's not working. How are you doing? It? How did you guys do it? Yeah. So we started doing this. And in the process, we realized we were coming back to the same five or six principles every time. Yeah. This is before we even had the right words for it. I mean, when you go through it, it's all experiential. And right. it takes a long time to form it into something you can teach. Sometimes it's really hard to exactly. stick a language to it and make the language powerful and make that language able to help somebody else catch on. Yeah, And so here we are like struggling to, how would I say that? And she and I are talking every night about, well, yeah, what was it about this? And we start figuring out, you know, the top things that we always talk about is, and we just go through it. And then we said, you know, we should just write this down and have like, my idea was much smaller than Mara's and if you know Mara, if you know anything about Mara, Mara is a big idea woman. Oh yeah. she is <laughs> a big dreamer like crazy. Mine was uh, we should have like a static place where there's six or so posts and we and it's all the information that we keep going right. through. Uh-huh. I'm either right I'm writing the same email ten times over. <laughs> Right. And we're having the same conversation a hundred times. Yeah. Why don't we just stick it out there? And then we can like tell, Hey, go here and then we'll talk more and yeah. we'll a- answer. And Mara's like, no, we should start a blog and this should j- like, we're just going to start writing and it's going to be big and we're going to, and we're going to touch way more people. It's not a static website. It's a living thing. And so and you're like, okay. we created a blog about love and that was the title, a blog about love.com and Mara's, Mara's voice was the main voice. I was working full-time. Okay. Mara had just uh, quit a job. Uh, well, yeah, funny story about that one. Won't so- tell it here, but Mara was doing the blog full-time. Okay. I mostly showed up in comments and a post every other week or maybe once a right.
0: month. What year is this, by the way? This is in-
1: 2011 2011. When we, okay. when we launched. And um, And, yeah, it was all with the idea of nothing about us is unique. Any, like I know that this story, to people, they're so enraptured by what happened to us individually. And then the right. fact that we have this romance story where we meet.
0: Where you meet, yeah.
1: And people were so enraptured by it. So we used those powerful things. We said, okay, this is the grand metaphor. Like We're going to use our lives as the way of explaining how this works. Okay. And so we would just write very vulnerable posts, like really vulnerable posts. Yeah. And And... Uh, and use them as teaching tools. And it was easy to do it. it. You know, when you say the word vulnerable, sometimes that makes it feel like scary and right. oh, I don't know, right. should I do? We were in such a healed, wonderful, loving place that it wasn't vulnerable for us. It's what we wanted to talk about. Yeah, right. <laughs> this yeah. is what we wanna do. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I could talk about it all day long. You know, <laughs> That's where we were. So vulnerable for other people where they feel like they're peeking into the most deep moments of our life and uh but for us it was like yeah it flowed out of us cuz how else it can't not flow out of you when it's there yeah it when it's there it just gushes <laughs> that's what it is right and so that's where the blog came out of that and that blog within a year to 2 years we had 50,000 people a month coming and visiting the website and at least 10,000 of those were regular readers wow it's like amazing like regular repeat right. and then you know maybe another 40,000 google searches that come once or twice and never come back maybe but yeah so amazing you know and and after a little while we have a million visits or more and there came a point where we it was the heyday of blog world back then right and so we're like okay we just need a big audience and then maybe if like the audience continues to grow maybe we'll get some sponsorships you know right And then the sponsorships, they like barely trickled in, but the blog world was always already changing to Instagram, to other places. And the sponsorships never really arrived. And we were like, we want to do this and we would do this the rest of our lives. This is the greatest work. We want to be involved in this, but it has to be sustainable. And we ended up, deciding the only way to do this, we don't want sponsorships. I don't, the only sponsors that were coming to us with big money was like match.com. And we're like, no, this is not a date. It's I know it a says a blog se- about love, right? That's not the love we're talking about. It yep. might be, that's a tangential exactly. love.
0: It's more, it was more Yes. about the in, inner love of yourself. It almost. is the deep seated
1: yes. inner way of how your life, how you respond to life. Yep. You can respond to infertility with love. You can respond to divorce with love. You can respond to other people with love. Yeah. You can, It's the guiding principle of what is... When Viktor Frankl says, you may not get to choose your circumstance, but you do get to choose how you respond, that's our answer right there. You respond aligning somehow with love, and that is what gives you the peace that you're looking for. Mm. You're looking for peace in somebody else's behavior. You're looking for peace in the change of a circumstance. You're looking in peace for, I want to be done with this infertility thing, and it's driving me nuts. no. The peace will come to you regardless, but you have to shift your mind. You have to believe that that's possible, and you have to shift your approach of where you're even looking to for validation. Right. And it's totally possible. Wow. It's 100% possible, but it takes a major paradigm shift that we're normally not fully prepared for. Life begs it out of us anyways, and you know this. You work with people all the time who are in the middle of life. Oh, yeah. Showing up. And, you know, in myriad of different ways... So life will demand of everyone. Sooner or later, it's going to say, hey, you should learn this. Yeah. And some of us, it demands it really early. And some people, my mom is, I think, deeply inaccurate when she says this. And I say this with love. She's like, I never really have any pro- I've never had trials. And I'm like, I love that you think that. Because <laughs> that's actually part of the reason why you don't feel like you've had any. You have yeah. You have this approach to life that.
0: Yeah, she doesn't play the victim.
1: You're Yeah, you're yeah. sailing through all of life. Even yeah. though I could count. I could identify ones anybody else would have called a trial. (laughs) So I love that my mom says that. Sure. Sure. So, but some people get way later into their years and they feel like life has been easy and they've never been pressed so hard to say, Hey, uh, happiness in spite of circumstance, do I actually need to learn this? Right. But it does happen to all of us. And most of us don't, nobody actually needs to wait until they're 50 because I know that there's been something else along the way right? where a life circumstance has so radically ruptured your view of how life was supposed to be. And you don't know who you are anymore. You don't know why this is happening and you don't know where you can go from here. And you don't know if you're ever going to be okay again. That happens yeah. to all of us. It happens right. to 16 year olds, right? It happens to, but we just don't see it the same way. We don't know how to, we don't even know what to do about it. So anyways, that's what we, my goal is, I believe that that process of going through this and learning and seeing these things as opportunities, as the ground where you build your best self. Right. Like, uh, you know, the analogy that we often use is, I love Jesus' parable in the Sermon on the Mount. I I love it. At the very last thing he says, he spends three chapters describing the type of stuff, and you kind of have to have new eyes to see it, but if you read it through this lens, you'll see it. He spends three chapters telling you Quit looking for your worth outside yourself. Quit looking for your worth in a box you can check. Oh, I don't kill? Great. And he goes, no, 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 no. Your intention has to change. You can't be angry anymore. Yeah. Oh, I don't commit adultery? Check. Yeah. No, I you can't. have to change. Your intention has to be love, yeah. not lust. Yeah. Well, but I pray. I pray. Do you do it to be seen of others? I give alms. Do you do it to be seen of others? Yeah. Everything about him, he's saying, you know, the way that I'm telling you to go about life, you have to find what you're looking for outside yourself. Wow. You have to find it within. Right. And he actually, the metaphor that he uses for that is this thing called kingdom. And some religions aren't that good at that. I know that the religion that I was raised in, when we used the word kingdom, we were generally talking about the church. Right. But the metaphor he's using over and over again is he says, no, kingdom is this quality of inside-out wholeness. And if you can seek first kingdom... Everything else will be added to you. When you have an inside out wholeness approach, yeah. then you can love anyone. Yeah. Nothing can stop you from loving wow. when you get That's your amazing. wholeness from within rather than sure. without. And then he That's ends it, He ends it by saying, Hey, all of you have heard me. If you hear these things and do them, I'm gonna call you you I will liken you to a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. Mm. Yep. Why? Because the rock is within you. Yeah. If you've learned wholeness from within, then you are stable no matter what the ups and downs of life are, no matter the ups and downs of your partner, your children, or your lack of a partner or your lack of children. Yeah. No matter what, he's saying, if you learn how to do what I'm talking about, wow. you will be on a solid foundation and the rains of life will come and the winds will beat upon your house and the floodwaters will rise and you will not be moved. And he says, but if you listen to my things and you don't do what I'm saying, you're going to be like the foolish man who built upon sand and when the rains of life come and the yeah. waters rise and when that wind beats upon, you're going to have shifting sand beneath your feet and you'll be left struggling. Yeah. Wow. That's the analogy that I use for that. I think it's sure, the most powerful I, that's analogy. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Beautifully said. and Wow.
1: And that's what this whole thing, life is constantly begging us to learn this lesson and some of us just, we we skate by long enough that we pretend we don't have to learn it, that we don't have to separate our worth from, oh, I'm married to a very lovely human being. Why would I need to separate my worth from them? Why not get validation? Because they can't provide it consistently. Yeah. Because no matter what you think, they are sand. Right. They're not a rock. Yeah. And the fact that you want to turn them into a rock is actually the very pressure that will cause them to resent you. Yeah. Our relationships are most damaged by our insistence on creating sandcastles and calling them sturdy foundations. Yeah. But they're all just sandcastles. And the people that we love and the circumstances that we look to, they will all be washed away. And if we don't have a place to get our worth that is different than them, different than the circumstance, different than the person, then we will be carried away with them every time. Wow. And then our most dysfunctional tendencies will come out over and over again. And so that's why, you know, coming back to that initial idea when I told you what my elevator pitch is, it'll make more sense. I teach the philosophy of happiness in spite of circumstance by helping the person understand inherent worth. And when they have inherent worth, it radically changes the way that they love another person.
0: Jeez, That's amazing that yeah.
1: that is what i want to do forever you know yeah. i love it
0: that's powerful you know it reminded me as you're saying that too um james allen um who mm. wrote uh, as a man uh think love it <laughs> um but i've studied all of his stuff and one of the things he talks about is standing alone mm. and he says in that where you we must find an immovable center on which to <laughs> build our life on yes and that's basically what you, yes. you're saying right there it's that and, and, if, and if we and what I love too when he says if we lean on anything, so like if you can even visualize this, listeners, <laughs> if you lean on anything that can be snatched away in an instant, you will fall and be bruised. You will. Or in other words, that sandy foundation. Yeah. So if I'm leaning on if I'm leaning on Danny to save my life. Yes. Or to make me better. Um, yeah. Then I'm in trouble. No, it comes from within, right? Because because Danny oh. can come and go out of my life.
1: And I love you know, that you said that. You know what I mean. Yeah, cause and that's the hard part about being a coach, and I'm sure you've seen it as well. Like, when you play a role in helping somebody awaken a little bit, yeah, then you become their new Sandy Foundation. Yep. Uh, and and so the real real goal is how do I help you become yeah. autonomously powerful?
0: Exactly. And one of the things I do <laughs> with that, just as to, to help you to add to what you're doing, is I'll always tell my client on the very first session. I don't fix anybody. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's just let's get that out of the way. Yes. I will show you some things, but at the end of the day, you're going to fix you.
1: That's right. And and when they can,
0: like you said, when they can figure that piece out, oh, it's on me. You are accountable. You are responsible. And when you can do that, that's when you're empowered.
1: And that really, I mean, that was, out of all the, like I, I think of Viktor Frankl as a mentor just because that right. was the voice that came up. But that was, that was exactly what that voice was telling me. Yeah. Hey, Danny, you fix you.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not the circumstance, <laughs> not her behavior. Yeah. You're not
1: going to be upset because of what she's done. You're going to be upset because of the story you tell about what she's done. Mm. You're only going to be upset because you make this mean the end of you as a relevant person that's capable of loving and being loved. Right. No. Tell a different story, Danny, and you will find that you are powerful still you get to decide how you love this human being. You right. get to decide how you treat this human being. Wow. You get to decide whether you'll empower that person right. or whether you will then become the victim and the you, you you can villainize them now. You can yeah. you can treat them horribly. You can make you can magnify dysfunction or or you can try another way. It's all up to you. But it, that's yeah. exactly what it was. It was it was the gift of responsibility. Yeah. That voice gave me the gift of responsibility. No, she is not right. responsible for, what ha- for how you feel. You are. You are, Danny. Wow. Own you know,
0: it. It, it. And you've probably heard of this quote by Rumi. He says, you suppose you are the trouble, but you are the cure. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You suppose you are the lock, but you are the key.
1: You know, I have right? a Rumi uh, book in my backpack right now. I've been meaning to. Really? I know enough quotes of him that uh-huh. have made me go. I have got to dig in. So oh, I've dug into this, dude. I, Rumi is my study companion over the cool. next couple of days and yeah. weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll share another little quick nugget because it goes along with what you're saying. Rumi also has a quote that says, um, uh, Yesterday I was clever and I wanted to change the world, but today I am wise and I'm going to change myself. Mm, mm. Yes. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's basically what you're saying is like it, it comes so from within and once we do that, now we can give without, and it doesn't drain us. That's right. I, I can have energy all day. See, that's, that's why exactly I think you're it. so dang energetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's coming from within. You're not relying on anything or anyone to give you that energy. You do it. And, and now you can give it away to everybody.
1: And, of course, to break the it. myth, do I do it all the time? No. Right. I catch myself all the time doing this silly. I catch myself in all the things that I teach right. people. And, and and then of course, that's life. <laughs> right, I'm going to do that. But I also know... That as often as I'm gonna get caught in that very natural normal cycle of basing my happiness on whether or not my wife approves of this thing that I wanna do and the idea right. that I have for our business, you know, it's funny because we work together. So yeah. I've actually spent more we've been married we're in our tenth year of marriage all now. For but we've spent more time together than I think most people who are finally retiring for the first like they've all we have literally lived and worked together uh, for seven of those 10 years wow <laughs> so, it's true love so we spend yeah we spend 24 7 so that's why i say of course i fall into my own pit all the time that much exposure that yeah. much it's easy for me to lift her up on a pedestal and make her responsible for something from time to time and yet whenever i get caught in that and whenever yeah. that creates the dysfunctional cycle in myself yeah. and encourages a dysfunctional cycle in her although i'm not responsible for it if she right catches my bait that's that's on her too but every time i do that when I apply the tools, when I apply these just really easy, basic, simple tools, yeah. I come back to myself, I find that peace again, yeah. and when I act out of that centered place, uh, it's really hard not to restore some level of goodness in your life when yeah. you act out of that really centered whole place. Yeah, I love it.
0: Wow. Um, we have just a few more minutes, but yeah. I want to just describe to our listeners really quick a little bit about uh, Mara
1: Mara man I so you already know just when I was talking earlier and saying if you know Mara you know she has the biggest ideas Mm -hmm. Um, and this is one of those challenging things when you're trying to build a business together it's more like uh, Mara's like CEO brain where it's vision 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 and I'm and I'm like the you know, I'm like the COO where it's operations. How do I create and how right. do I build? Yeah, and I then obviously that's an overgeneralization and oversimplification. We both do lots of different things, right. but um, Mara's vision knows no bounds, and that's a really spectacular thing, yeah. And and I think uh, it's one of those things that for her, um, it's a gift that was hard won. Uh, she grew up and you know she experienced some pretty uh challenging circumstances sure. financially growing up she's one of those kids who uh when she's 12 years old she's making pies and selling them uh to you know local bakeries or whatever and raising money that way by the time she graduates high school she's making you know as much money as people mo- usually land in their first job cuz she's running yeah. a you know she's like running this uh wedding reception thing and she becomes their most valued employee as a high school student and then when she you know she's somebody for whom limits do not exist you know and i think that's what also makes her i'm so glad that the blog has often been told through her voice right because when she speaks from that place um people catch that yeah And we know when we write the right post, when we get responses from people who immediately are saying, okay, I think I don't have limits either. Like some part of me is telling me that maybe this can happen for me. For me as well, She has such a... One of the things I love about Mara in general, and it's because our life and business is so connected, like it's hard to tear the two apart. But um, she is so ridiculously gifted at writing from that perspective that hasn't experienced it yet yeah she speaks to that so well and my gift tends to be the opposite i'm the person who like i'm the one that goes and studies this idea and this philosophy and that thing and i break it down and i categorize i tend to write a lot of our curriculum for people who like i i form a lot of that and i form it with her right but i organize all that like i'm the one that creates all that stuff but mara is just so gifted at speaking to that raw potential in yeah. a human being. Yeah. And she like calls it out of people. And I think she does that so well because her whole life has been a version of that. Yeah. Whether it's her learning to be self-sufficient at a very early age and then going out to New York right out of, right out of college without any job prospects and then making it happen in New York and rising up there and then experiencing infertility and then divorce and rising up out of that. Like she just keeps on rising up out of these things. And, uh, and so I think that, I think that image of her, like I, I just see a lot of resilience in Mara and it's something I deeply admire about her. Right. And she just, she's everybody's biggest cheerleader. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, That's, well, that's it.
0: I think she's amazing. I've no you know I know her and she's she's wonderful and you know and both of you together doing what you guys are doing and and making a difference in this world it's really remarkable.
1: Oh, thank you, Todd. You
0: know where you started and where you're at and just and you are one of those guys that loves to help others and make a difference and so I don't know. I mean just listening to you talk right now, I'm inspired, dude. I'm like, I'm over here <laughs> Thanks, going, man. man. I need to up my game. <laughs> 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 I need, I need up my game over here, man. <laughs> Danny's blowing me away. I'm All like, right, whoa. Right. You know what I mean? But uh, it's, it's impressive. It really, Thank truly you. is. And so, um, let's let our listeners know now, kind of what are you currently doing, and yeah. what are maybe some future plans uh, that yeah. you guys have.
1: You know. Um, what we're focusing on most right now is we are expanding our coaching business a lot. Okay. There were a couple of years where we were focusing primarily on retreats and we loved them. Our retreats were the best thing ever. We had yeah. people coming down to Ecuador for seven days. Right, We'd do two-day cool. events in the States or three-day events and one-day events in the States. And um, and we've loved those and they've provided this incredible foundation for uh, working with people and seeing just radical shift. So those retreats are amazing, but they're taking a pause right now. Yeah. Right now we're focusing on building more of the online stuff. And then we want, we look forward to this day when we pair, we used to do retreats and it was kind of like, come and get it. And then once you leave, like we don't, yes, you can come, you can sign up for coaching, you can do whatever, but we want to bridge something where in the future, what we're doing is retreats are followed up by like part of buying a retreat is group coaching that extends so that we're able to okay. take, because we were so good. And I don't say like, I say that with humility too. Like I'm in honor. I say it with gratitude, not right. with, not with like, sure. Those retreats, anybody who's been there, they would know there's some of the most amazing experiences I could ever imagine creating. It's one of the things I'm most proud of. Right. And yet, um, if you went home and then had a difficult thing and you didn't know how to then like, when you learn it all at once and in an isolated sphere, yeah. it becomes hard to always carry that forward. And people still do. Right. The paradigm shift will go a long way. And you know that. Oh yeah. You change somebody's mind about how they view a circumstance and you've given them the gift of a new life. Yeah. And that's really what those were about. But now it's about, let's round that. that out with some tools mm-hmm. Let's round that out with tools that are going to see you through to the end. They're going to help you reach your goal. And so our coaching has really been, we've started getting more into less of like a, hey, call us up for a one session coaching. We now do six, six and 12 week packages okay. where we're saying, hey, commit with us. Work for an extended period of time. We're going to do amazing things. We're not just going to, it's not about just helping you fix one thing. We want to teach you. How to apply these tools so consistently that you are the one that's empowered by the time you leave. Not us. You know you what you're doing from now on. And you that. approach these things through a brand new perspective and right. capacity. So we're focusing on our coaching. Cool. We look forward to reintegrating the retreats and marrying the two of those. Because I think it's the best of both worlds. Yeah. There are unique things you get to do in coaching that you don't get to do in a retreat and there's unique things you get to do in a retreat that you can't do in coaching. Exactly. And I can't wait till the two find their perfect match. That's cool. Because uh, yeah, it's, you know, our our work is really meant to be that way, and I, I really love that. But our coaching has been, we've been doing some amazing stuff with our coaching lately with new tools that both of us have been picking up and studying and diving into, and, and it's been amazing, Todd. It really yeah. has, and we love it.
0: Dude, that's great. Um, if you could give any advice to any of our listeners right now who maybe are having a hard time finding that with that that immovable center or that that love from within, what advice could you give them right now that they may be struggling with that and, and, and maybe they are in the victim mindset right now? What's some advice that you could give them?
1: One piece of advice is that victim mindset, it's just a story. And you don't have to tell that story. Mm, amen. And you can tell any number of stories. And you don't have to be a guru well-studied in order to do this. I felt lucky that I had studied a book that made a big enough impact on me that in a moment I stumbled right. on an idea that changed my story. And when I changed my story, my experience followed automatically without effort. Love that. So I was lucky enough to have read a few things that sparked something at the right moment, okay? And then I love Mara's story because Mara's story is different. Nothing sparked for Mara until she had a mentor. Yeah. And that mentor forced her to confront something, brought the paradigm shift through instruction, through challenging. Through challenging, And once the spark was lit... It was a fire that couldn't be contained. Yeah. So for me, the paradigm shift is the first and most important thing, and you don't you don't have to have been to a retreat, and you don't right. have to have gone to coaching. I Mine happened just because I exposed myself to enough things that allowed for a different story to exist. And if you've got a story that seems overwhelming, all I can ask is take heart from whatever I've been talking about today. Right. Or go find your Viktor Frankl. Go read that book. Yeah. Or go find any single story. And by the way, you know which stories they are because they're the box office hits. The story is told a thousand times over and it's the hero's journey. It's the hero's journey. And the yeah. hero's journey, go find your favorite movie and go, that person that I watch when I'm moved by what happens, when they could have gone one way but they go another and that's why I love the movie so much, maybe I can walk that journey too. Honestly, that's all you have to have is the thought, maybe I can walk that journey. Yeah. Don't make it impossible, make it possible. Right? Go from, I think it's Christopher Reeves who says something along the lines, and here's a great guy. Right. Superman on screen, yeah. Superman in real life when he hits the immovable the brick immo- wall. Right. And he, later in his life, he says something along the lines of, you know, when you first come across something, it can seem first impossible, then improbable, and finally, inevitable. All you're looking to do when you're in that place is shift from impossible, which is victim and helpless, right. to improbable, but possible. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just need to shift to possible. Yeah. And what's so amazing about the brain and the way that the brain works, and this is how our coaching, our coaching, like yours, we work primarily on mindset. We yep. work on the thoughts that are stopping you and that create their own little self-fulfilling prophecies and circular loops and we go, well, let's try a different thought on and see if yeah. it creates a different experience for you. Exactly. And you know what, when people discover that, they just go, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I'm powerful. Yeah. <laughs> that happened because I changed my thought. Yeah. So if you can just shift from the victim, that, like victim is all about improbable and impossible right. and helpless. And all you have to do is say, if it's happened for them, why can't it happen for me? Yeah. And if you can just start there, the snowball yeah. journey from that, graduate to the next step. Yeah. Sometimes saying, oh yeah, of course, like, oh, if he did it, I can do it. I realize that for a lot of people, you're not going to make that leap from totally negative thought to totally positive all right. in one, but view it like a ladder. Yeah. Start slow. Take it. Start one step. Yep. This, I'm never going to get out of this. Well, maybe I could get out of it. This might be how I could get out of it. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to try that thing. I'm going to... You just keep on graduating until suddenly you are, like like Christopher Reeve says, impossible to improbable to inevitable. Everybody's capable of that. There is not a single human being that is not capable of that in some way or some form. And I mean everybody. Doesn't mean you'll all reach the same place. It means growth is possible no matter where you are. And it's growth that you're after not a particular destination, unless you say that growth is the destination. And for me, that's it, growth is the destination. Be on that journey, headed always towards growth, and you can't go wrong even when life goes wrong. Wow, I
0: love it. Beautifully said, beautiful advice. Thanks, Todd. Seriously, if if any of our listeners wanna reach out to you and get to know you better, ask you a question, what would be the best way for them to find you and your information?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you can go to dannyandmara.com. We have a free email series that introduces you to a bunch of our most core things. And I'll just admit right now, I think some of the links on the services that we offer there are broken. I'll fix that as soon as possible now that I know (laughs) this is launching. Um, But uh, so some of the links may not work, but it's a 10 email series and we guide you through some of the core foundations. So you can go there and sign up. It's called the About Love Experience. Right. And that's one way, but really reach out. Hello at Danny and com. I would love to hear from people. We have coaching. We do free consults with people where we help people decide if this is the right thing or not for them, if we would be a good fit and if this is the kind of service that they want. So we do free consults with people. And honestly, uh, we're very generous with, um, we want to see people. We, we want this journey to just be replicated in as many people as possible. That's awesome. And, pretty much that's everybody because it's possible in everybody for sure. You know, so that's it. Hello at Danny or Danny dot com just as the main webpage. And you'll find us there.
0: Dang. There you go, folks. Reach out to Danny and Mara for sure. Um, I I told you to buckle up (laughs) and here we, and we we could go for another couple (laughs) hours. I wish we could. Yeah. Um, But thank you, Danny, for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you just flew in from New York and to sit down with me, that means a lot. And our listeners are going to really, uh, be, uh, inspired by your words and hopefully again, motivated to, yeah. to make that paradigm shift that you talk about in a different mindset. So thank you for sharing that with us.
1: Yeah. I can't wait. And you know, if you do, I don't know how active your comment section is on anything, but I'm, I'm a big, yeah. you'll find me in the comment section <laughs> oh, if you yeah. ask questions there too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Danny's, so I'm Danny's all about not that. afraid
0: to answer questions, yeah. man. we yeah, will we'll do that in. all day. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for taking the time. Once again, please share this with uh, anyone you know that uh, needs to be inspired to move forward and to hear Danny and Mara's story. It's just remarkable. And again, Danny, thank you for taking the time and doing this. Thank you. Okay. Well, until next time, thanks everybody for listening.